Well, good morning again. I, I just remembered right before I was getting up that uh, my watch died yesterday. And so I'm going to try to watch the clock in the back of the room. I don't have my glasses on, so here's, here's where I need your help. If it gets past two hours, somebody raise your hand, okay? <laughs> I would appreciate that. If you've listened to Christian radio back in 1982, if you were... A, if you were alive in 1982 or old enough to listen to the radio back then, you probably are going to remember a very popular song by one of my favorite singers back in the day, Amy Grant, and her very popular song that was released in 1982, my senior year in college. The, the name of the song was El Shaddai. If you haven't heard that song or haven't listened to it lately, you might want to, not now, but later, Google it and enjoy it. Uh, it's a wonderful praise song that focuses on the various aspects of God's character, and it also focuses on a number of God's names, the most prominent one, of course, being El Shaddai. El Shaddai is one of those compound names for God. We've been in this series on the names of God, and I told you in the very first message, I believe it was, that the, the core name for God is simply the Hebrew word El, E-L. And, and that is the core name for God. It just simply means God. And you'll see it hundreds of times in the Old Testament, just the name El. But when you put El with something else, it further describes who God is. So the name El Shaddai is a compound name of God, El, and Shaddai. Now, Shaddai means the Almighty Sufficient one. If you're taking notes, make sure you write that down because that's going to be a very important definition of what we're going to be looking at today. Shaddai, Almighty, and don't forget this, Sufficient One. So together, the name usually is translated God Almighty. Sometimes you'll see it as Almighty God, depending on the, whatever translation you're using. But the NIV, I think, translates it God Almighty. And here's what you want to write down. Here's what you want to remember. El Shaddai emphasizes God's ability to rule and overrule in the situations we find ourselves in. That God is so mighty. He is El Shaddai. He's, he's so mighty that he has the ability to, to rule and to overrule in the situations we find ourselves in. You might want to note that that name, El Shaddai, in that compound form, appears seven times in the Old Testament. But God is referred to as simply Shaddai 41 times in the Old Testament, especially in the book of Job. We don't have time to get into that, but it's just an interesting note. Especially in the book of Job, the primary name that Job uses in his days of suffering was Shaddai, talking about God's might and God's sufficiency. So, we're introduced to the name for the very first time, though, in the book of Genesis, chapter 17. Would you open God's Word? Genesis, chapter 17. The Bible says, as we read verses 1 and 2, when Abram, not Abraham yet, his name now, in this, situ this time in his life, is simply Abram. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty, or I am El Shaddai. Walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between me and you 
and will greatly increase your numbers. God introduces himself to Abram and ultimately to us as El Shaddai. For the first time in the Bible, for the first time in Scripture, God reveals that he's not just Elohim. He's not just Yahweh or Jehovah. He's not just Adonai. But for the first time in Scripture, God reveals another aspect of his character. And in this situation, this conversation with Abram, God reveals to Abram that he is El Shaddai. Now, don't forget that God reveals himself, it says in verse 2, in the context of a covenant. And that's no small thing in the Old Testament. In fact, in Genesis chapter 17, just in Genesis 17, we don't have the time to to really read the whole chapter, but you'll have to take my word for it. In Genesis 17, the word covenant appears 14 times in that one chapter. 14 times. Let me just give you a taste of that. Verse 2, he said, I'll confirm my covenant between me and you. In verse 4, he said, as for me, this is my covenant with you. Uh, In verse 7, he says, I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your your descendants after you for generations to come. And so, this revelation of who God is, this new understanding of who God is as El Shaddai is in the context of a covenant that God was making between himself and this man named Abram. This was definitely a a high water mark in Abram's life, no doubt. It was a big moment in Abram's life. God takes his covenant seriously, as we're going to learn as we explore this name further. Abram was first exposed to God's covenant 25 years ago. So we're going to come back to chapter 17, but I want you to see this. This concept of a covenant is very, very important in what we're going to be looking at today. And I want you to understand that it, it was first talked about between God and Abram, 25 years prior to chapter 17. So let's go back to chapter 12. Let me show you where it all began. Genesis chapter 12. I really want you to use your Bibles with me today. And so let me hear those pages turning. Or if you're using electronic version, keep those fingers moving so that you can follow along today. And Genesis chapter 12 is our next text. And verses 1 through 4 are very important in this conversation. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your country and your people and your father's household. Go to the land I will show you. And watch this now, what God says to him. I'll make you into a great nation and I will bless you. And I'll make your name great and you will be a blessing. Not only am I going to bless you, but notice this. You will be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And watch this. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now read verse 4 carefully. Verse 4 says, so Abram left as the Lord had told him. Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. I want you to note how old he was. I want you to at least remember it. Maybe write it down in your notebook that Abram was 75 years old. In Genesis chapter 12, when God first begins to talk about this covenant. In Genesis chapter 12, when God first introduces to Abram that he has a purpose and a plan and a blessing intended for him. In chapter 12, God says, 
I'm going to bless you. And the Bible says that he was 75 years old when God first told him that. So I want you to notice that. He's 75 years old. And I also want you to notice one, one other thing before we move on. That God, he said, I intend to bless you. Now let me explain this word blessing. You'll see it word bless, blessing, blessed. Uh, the idea behind the word blessing is a powerful illustration. It simply means I'm not only going to do something. Watch this. I'm not only going to do something for you. But I'm also going to do something through you. That was the concept behind this blessing. It wasn't just for Abraham. It was something God was going to do in and through Abraham. In other words, what God was going to do in his life, there was a lot at stake. It was not just, I'm going to give you something really good. That's not what it was about. Yes, God was going to do something that was really, really good. But God was going to not only do something for him, more importantly, God wanted to do something through him. That that blessing might flow to others through Abram. So, I would say to you, would you agree with me? This was probably a very much a high water mark in Abram's life. Don't you think so? Tell me again. Let me make sure you're listening. How old was he when this high water mark occurred in his life? How old was he? 75. Let's remember that. But it was a high water mark, a special time with God. You know, it's, it's like perhaps, especially those watching over in the Life Center, those times when you go away to camp, and it was a spiritual high water mark for you. God, you just were sold out to God at camp. It was a spiritual high water mark for you. Or maybe it's those watching the LC, like when you go off to college and you get into a discipleship group and, and you start growing like crazy. And it's, it's a high water mark. As you look back on your life, it was, that was the time I took my faith seriously. That was the time I got to know God better. It was a high water mark spiritually for you. Or maybe for the adults here today. Maybe it was a time of revival. Maybe it was a time of crisis. Maybe it was a time where it was just you and God and you were alone with Him and you totally surrendered to God and it was a high water mark for you spiritually. There are certain times that shape our faith, times with God that we never forget. This was one of those times for Abram. Now, now that you understand Genesis 12, let's fast forward several years. If you fast forward several years and you go to Genesis chapter 15, you'll find that Abram is still waiting on God to bless him. He is still waiting. And he grows impatient. Anybody here ever grown impatient? Yeah. Have you ever grown impatient with God? Now, come on, you be honest. God's watching. He knows already. That was Abram. Let's see what happens. Chapter 15, verse 1. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your very great reward. <laughs> Abram is not having it. Look how he responds in verse 2. But Abram said, O oh, sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, watch this, you have given me no children, like zero, like none. Do you remember that promise you made several years back? You have given me absolutely no children. Let's keep reading, see how this turns out. So a servant in my household 
will be my heir. I mean, I'm convinced he did not say that with a smile on his face. I'm convinced when he said, so a servant in my household is going to be my heir, I'm convinced he was kind of ticked off at that moment. You have given me no children. And a servant in my household apparently is going to be the one who gets the promise you, you spoke of. So let's keep reading. Then the word, verse 4, then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir. Let me tell you something, young man. He's not going to be your heir. That might be what you got in your mind. That's not what I got in my mind. Shorter's translation of the scripture there, by the way. This man will not be your heir. Watch this. Don't miss this. But a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside in order to kind of prop him back up. He said, he took him outside and said, look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And verse 6 is one of those special verses in the Bible. I've got a star beside it in my Bible. Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Now, going back to this idea of Abram saying this, this heir, this servant's child in my home must be the one you were talking about. Abram assumed that since he hadn't had a son, that he was not able to father a son, that God would somehow use this other boy that had been born into his house. God was quick to correct him and tell him, no, 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 no. The heir is not going to be the son of a slave that's in your home. This promised son that I promised you and through whom I will bring about a blessing to the nations. This promised son will come from your own body. I want to make sure you get this right. It's not going to be somebody that wanders into your house and and he becomes your adopted son. No, 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 no. You're going to have a son from your own body. I want to make sure, Abram, you understand that. Now, with that new information, with that new information, you would have thought that Abram would have said, Praise the Lord, hallelujah. But with that new information, rather than letting that reinforce his faith, it simply sent he and his wife Sarai looking for another solution. First solution in their mind was was the son of the the slave in, in his home. If that's not his servant in his home, if that's not the solution, they start looking for another solution. Okay, God says it's going to be a son from my own body. And Sarah says, well, I've not been able to have children. And so they come up with a plan. They're tired of waiting for God, so they concocted a plan where Abram will actually marry and sleep with Hagar, their servant girl. Now, write this down. In other words, here's what's happened. Don't miss this. Over in the Life Center, make sure you hear this. In other words, here's what's happening. They tried to use the flesh to bring about the promise of God. Or to say it another way, they walked in the flesh rather than walking in faith. We do that all the time. You ever tried to help God out? You know, you just kind of get tired of waiting on Him. You you feel like, well, maybe He's just too busy. Uh, Maybe He just doesn't care. Or for whatever reason... But we try to help God out. We try to work things out. In fact, listen to me. Listen to me. I want to tell you something. It's a whole lot easier and more convenient. I didn't say it's better, but it's a whole lot easier and more convenient to walk in the flesh, isn't it? I didn't say it's better. 
But it's easier. It comes more naturally than walking by faith. And that was Abram. Now, if you'll read with me, we can see how this unfolds. Chapter 16, verses 1 through 4. Let's read quickly through this text. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abraham, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps, notice this word of hope, perhaps I can build a family through her. They're trying to apply logic to their situation. They're trying to figure out what they could do, humanly speaking, to bring about the promise of God. They're trying to do in the flesh what God had promised to do by the Spirit. So Abram agreed to what Sarai said. And so after Abraham had been living in Canaan ten years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian maidservant, Hagar, gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. Now, if you're familiar with the rest of the story, then you know how devastating of a decision this was. Ishmael became the son born to Abram and to Hagar. Ishmael grew up to become the father of the Arab people. And even to this day, the Arabs and the Israelites have been in conflict, even to this day, because of the decision that Abram and Sarai made. Now, let's pause for just a moment and do a little detective work with the text. Are you with me? If you're with me, say amen. All right, let's do a little detective work in the text. I want to show you something that's, that's kind of amazing to me. Let's, let's look at chapter 16, verse 3. How long had Abram and Sarah been living in Canaan? How long? Ten years. Do you remember in chapter 12, Genesis chapter 12, how old he was when he first left his homeland and went to Canaan? 75. He's 75 when he leaves. They're living in Canaan for 10 years. So how old is he at this time? 85. Remember that. We'll come back to that number in a few moments. But remember that at this particular time, he's 85 years old. Let me just say it to you this way. Abram was at a time in his life where he is old and weary. And he's still waiting on God keep his promise maybe some of you know what that feels like to wait on God it just seems like he's just taking too long it just seems like you're waiting too long for God to keep his promise you're waiting too long for, for God to meet your need so you try to do what Abram did you, you, you go logical on God you know what I mean by that you, you just do your best to find a solution to your problem because you're tired of waiting and you're tired of trusting I mean, you may not say this out loud, but lots of times you think this way probably, or, or maybe it's just me, but you, we think this way. It's like, well, well, God has had his chance. I mean, I've been waiting a good, time, a good long time. God's had his chance, and now it's time that I take over. I, I, need, to, I need to do something. We've got to do something about something. It's just time to do something. And so that's what Abram did. Finally, he saw that his efforts were futile, and you know what he did? He did what you don't want to do and what I don't want to do. He went back into God's waiting room. Anybody like the waiting room, by the way? I mean, have you ever been so sick? It's like, man, I need to go to the hospital. But you're debating whether or not you should go. 
because you know you're going to have to sit in the waiting room. And the problem is, you don't know how long you're going to have to sit in the waiting room. There is nothing fun about sitting in the waiting room. Uh, Yet it is in precisely those times of hopelessness, especially in the life of Abram, where God began to reveal to him who he actually is. You see, at Abram's moment of deepest doubt, God told Abram that he was El Shaddai. For the first time in the Bible, God reveals himself. At a time of Abram's deepest doubt, God revealed himself as El Shaddai. So we finally come to our text, Genesis chapter 17, verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty, I am El Shaddai. Walk before me and be blameless. Now, class, let me ask one more time in chapter 17, verse 1, how old is Abram at this time? 99. Isn't it interesting how throughout the whole story of Abram, God keeps giving us an update on his age. He's 99. Do you remember how old he was when Ishmael was born? I ask you to remember that number. Do you remember how old he was when Ishmael was born? Close. He was 86. I don't think I read the next verse. He was 85 when they decide he's going to marry Hagar. He's 86 once the baby was born. So if he's 99 in chapter 17, verse 1, and he was 86 after Ishmael was born, how much time has he been in the waiting room this time? 13 years. Let that sink in for a moment. It's not 13 days. Not 13 weeks. Not even 13 months. Now, again, he's in the waiting room, and this time it's 13 years. And God is silent. 13 long years since Ishmael's birth. Which brings up the question, why would God reveal this name to Abram at this time, after 13 years of silence? You know why God reveals who he is, a new name to Abram at this time? Listen to this, because God was about to tell an old man he's going to be a daddy. And God had to show him he was El Shaddai, the almighty sufficient one. So let me give you three three ways we can apply this text and then we'll be done. Here's the first one. Number one, God reveals himself to us out of the circumstances of life. If you don't hear anything else today, I hope you remember that. God indeed reveals himself to us, tells us who he is, shows us who he is. He reveals himself to us out of the circumstances of life. You see, after 13 years, God spoke to Abram not to reprove him for his faithless fathering of Ishmael. God didn't speak to him to to kind of shame him for what he did with Ishmael. But after 13 years, God speaks to him to strengthen his trust in God's covenant and in God's name. Chapter 17, verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him 
and said, I am El Shaddai. I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. For the first time, God reveals to Abram a new name. For the first time, God reveals something new about his character to this man. He's strengthening Abram's trust in in the covenant that God wants to make with him. El Shaddai refers to God's ability. Remember, El Shaddai refers to God's ability to rule and to overrule the situations we find ourselves in. Let me tell you something. He is not God who is kind of almighty. He is God almighty. He's not sort of almighty. He is God almighty. And so God waits to the very last moment to show Abram, I want you to understand who I really am. I am El Shaddai. I am God Almighty who is sufficient for every situation and I rule over and can overrule every situation you find yourself in. It's interesting to me what God did not say. God did not say, I am Elohim. Now, we've already learned that name. I'm Elohim, the powerful God of creation. If I can create the heavens and the earth, surely I can create a baby in Sarah's womb. That's not what God said, though. That would have worked, don't you think? That would have been convincing. The God who has created the heavens and the earth, yes, surely he's able to create a baby in the womb of Sarah. God didn't say, I'm Yahweh, Jehovah, the God who is involved in his creation, the God of covenant. That would have been a powerful lesson. That would have been sufficient. The God of creation is now going to be involved in in his life. That would have been a pretty good reminder. And God did not say, I'm Adonai, the Lord of everything. And if I'm the Lord of everything, trust me to, to be the Lord in this situation, the master and the ruler of this situation. That name would have been sufficient. It would have been incredible. It would have been a great uh, help to his faith. Any of those names would have worked. But Abram was familiar with God on those terms. Abraham knew about Elohim. Abraham knew about Adonai. Abraham certainly knew about Jehovah or Yahweh. He was familiar with God on those, those terms. But in this experience, he was going to learn something new about God. And so God told him a new name. God revealed to him a new aspect of his character. God identified himself as El Shaddai. Maybe in your painful and trying experience that you're going through, maybe you're going to learn something new about God too. It could be. Maybe you're going to learn something new about His power. Maybe you're going to learn something new about His love. Maybe in this long time of waiting, you're going to learn something new about His comfort. Maybe in this long time of uncertainty, you're going to learn something new about His grace. I don't know, but I do know this. God reveals Himself to us out of the circumstances of life. Here's the second application. Number two. God has the power to fulfill every promise He has ever made. See, when you discover the name of God that applies to your situation, you can better understand how that name can give you hope. Or to say it another way, when you know the name of God, know it not just in your head but in your heart, when you know the name of God, you're ready to experience the power of God. In identifying himself as El Shaddai, God was reminding Abram that he had the power to fulfill every promise that he made. Regardless of how much time had passed, he had the the power to fulfill the promise that he had made. Now, we don't have time to look at it, 
but in this text in chapter 17, there are 12 I will statements. I wish we had the time to read the whole chapter, read the whole text. But 12 times God says, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. On and on and on. God makes that statement over and over. In fact, in my personal study notes as I was preparing this, and I saw all the I will statements in the text, in my personal study notes I wrote, God is about to do something, exclamation mark. God was saying to Abraham, this is not going to be about what you can do. It's going to be about what I'm going to do. God is about to do the miraculous, so he emphasizes that he is the God who is sufficient to do the miraculous. He is the God who is all-powerful to do the miraculous. He is El Shaddai. In other words, the focus needs to be on who God is, not who Abraham was. The focus needed to be on what God can do, not what Abraham can do. The focus needed to be on the God who is eternal, not a man who is old. So El Shaddai meets with Abram. El Shaddai speaks to Abram. You might want to write this down on your notes. God Almighty will work it out even if you can't figure it out. That's what he's trying to explain to Abram. Listen, I am El Shaddai and I can work it out though you can't figure it out. I can work it out if you put your faith in me. Which brings me to the third and the final statement or application. It's this one. Put a star beside this one as you write it down, if you would, please. God calls us to live a life surrendered to His will. God calls us to live a life surrendered to His will. We go back to the text in chapter 17. Let's read verses 1 through 3. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty, I am El Shaddai. Walk before me and be blameless. Might want to underline that phrase, walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between me and you, and you will greatly increase in numbers. And Abram fell face down. And Abram fell face down. You see, self-revelation, God revealing himself to us. Self-revelation is an invitation to a closer walk with God. When God revealed himself as El Shaddai, he was inviting Abram to respond to that revelation. And self-revelation is simply an invitation to a closer walk with God. I'm going to ask you a question today. Actually, I'm going to ask you two or three questions. Are you tired of being tired and, and discouraged because of your situation? Have you messed up somewhere along the way like Abram did? Are you caught up in the Ishmael syndrome trying to help God out but just making things worse? For some of you, this message may be hitting pretty close to home. If that's you, I want to encourage you to focus on the name El Shaddai. Ladies and gentlemen, you may have been waiting for a long time and you might have made some mistakes along the way, but I just want you to know something. You're still here and He's still God, so there's still hope. Here's what you need to do. And again, if you don't hear anything else, please hear this and apply this. Here's what you need to do. Verse 17, God says, walk before me and be blameless. Another translation says it this way, serve before me and be blameless. Now, don't be misled by that that word blameless. It does not mean sinless. That's not what he's talking about. 
walk before me and be blameless. In other words, shorter translation, walk before me and stop trying to help me out. Walk before me and stay out of my way. Walk before me and trust me to do what I said I would do. Or you might want to simply say it this way. Walk before me and live a life that is totally surrendered. That's probably the best translation of the word blameless. Living a life that's totally surrendered. It's not a life of perfection. You and I will never reach that. But it is a life that is totally surrendered. You see, ladies and gentlemen, listen to me. There are some things you can't do. And if you've got a problem, it's an ongoing problem. You've been praying about it and praying about it, waiting and waiting and waiting, praying and waiting, praying and waiting. It's been months or years. Can I, can I give you a little piece of pastoral advice? There are some things you can't do. You can't change him. You can't fix her. You can't make them do anything. You can't help God out. But there is one thing you certainly can do, and that is you can focus on your relationship with God. Walk before me and be blameless. I see this so often in couples who are having marital problems. It's like, I'm just, I'm just trying my best to get him to do this, or I'm trying my best to get her to stop that. And, and you're trying your best to fix them or to change them, and there are some things you can't do. But one thing you do have control over, you can walk before God and be blameless. And then read verse 3. And it says in verse 3, Abram fell face down. Some of you might need some face-down time with God. That face-down time with God where you take that difficulty of your life and you recognize this really is an opportunity to draw close to God. Yes, this is a hard thing that I'm going through, but it really is an opportunity to draw close to God. I mean, have you ever thought this? I bet some of you have. Have you ever thought, God, why have you allowed this to happen? Or have you ever asked this question, God, why don't you do anything about this? Or why didn't you do something about this? We think in terms of God fixing the problem. When it may be that God wants to use the problem to draw you closer to Him. Maybe you need some face down time with God. And say, I totally surrender. I've tried to manipulate the circumstances. I've tried to change the situation. I've, try, I've tried everything I know to try. But God, today, I totally surrender. Let me give you this last one, number four. I, I, I just, I'm out of time, so I'm just going to have to read the text and, and be done. Number four is this. God has the ability to deliver you and to sustain you until the deliverance comes. That, that, I wish we had time to dig more into that name El Shaddai. Because it, it has a dual meaning. It's not just that God is mighty and he can deliver. But it's also that God can sustain you. Until that deliverance comes. So to end the story we go to chapter 21. And we'll read these verses and we'll be done. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son 
to Abram in his old age at the very time God had promised. Abram gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah born him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abram, Abraham circumcised him and as God commanded him. And watch this, verse 5. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. He was 99 when God made that final promise. And then there was another year of waiting. Another year of hoping. Another year of trusting. Sure, certainly he understood that Sarah was pregnant. Certainly he got to watch her belly get bigger over the, as the months passed. But it was still another year of waiting. Another year of hoping. Another year of trusting. Another year. Until one day. He held the son. God promised. And then he knew like he had never known before. He is El Shaddai. God Almighty. Let's pray. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know the difficulties that you're enduring. I don't know how long you've been waiting. I don't know how hard it is. How scary it may be. How uncertain it may, do, it may be. But I do know this. God would say to you, walk before me and be blameless. That's your role. That's your assignment. Until I step in and change the situation, your responsibility is walk before me and be blameless. Don't give the devil an opportunity. Walk before me and be blameless. Don't give up. Walk before me and be blameless. Don't get so discouraged that you throw everything away. Walk before me and be blameless. Totally surrendered to God. And that came when Abram had some face down time with God. He fell on his face before God. Here in this service in the Life Center, you can do that. Literally if you want to. Come to this altar or you can go to this to the area beside the stage, and you can just have some FaceTime, down FaceTime before God. Or maybe you'll go to your bedroom this afternoon, and you just get on your face before God. And here's what you say. God, I surrender, and I really mean it. I surrender to El Shaddai.